0: So, uh, I'm Pastor CJ, and I'm the student pastor here. Um, we've had a lot of former student pastors here. I'm not a former student pastor. I'm still here, just making that clear. Thank you. I, I didn't want any foreshadowing, like, oh no, all the formers, he's leaving. I'm... Some of the students are like, oh, he's still here. Anyways, so uh, I just want to recap. I know last week, Pastor Lou did a great job of explaining um, just the last chapter and everything, and hearing the voice of God and how uh, Eli and Samuel and everything um, went about. What a great job of making that relevant to our everyday lives uh, today. So, this chapter is called From Shepherd to King, From Shepherd to King. Um, as I tell a quick story, if you want to go ahead and turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 16, 1 Samuel chapter 16. And if you have your storybook, that is chapter 11, page 145, 145. So um, I had a little touch. Uh, the closest I got to royalty back when I was in high school is I had the opportunity to become class president. Why are you laughing? That's serious. Uh, and uh, it was interesting because it was my junior year, and a couple of buddies and I were like, hey, you know, let's just goof around and become president. And so I had like a whole group of my five friends, like we had president, vice president, secretary. It was a private Christian school, so we had a chaplain. And then we had the treasurer. There's never any money because we're high schoolers, you know, so treasurer just kind of hung out. So it was a, a couple of buddies. are like, hey, let's just run for office. It'll be great. We don't know what to do. No one ever does anything. Um, We watched a lot of TV back then. So a lot of times, uh, like Family Matters, Boy Meets World, you know, that was our inspiration in life. Uh, So we'd see a lot of like the class presidents making up these ridiculous things like, I make sure and stop homework for the whole year. And the kids are like, yeah. And you couldn't, you could never do that. You know, or I'm going to make the lunch menu extra delicious. Who's with me? And everyone's like, yeah. You couldn't change the lunch menu. So you'd, you'd pretty much just say a bunch of stuff you could never change. And then you become president. I was like, okay, simple enough. So we did voting. And I bought a bunch of dum-dums, those uh, suckers that I have in my office. If you ever want to chat with me or need some counseling, you get a free sucker. So you don't leave empty-handed. All right? That's all I'm saying. And so I passed out the dum dums, and I had a little sticker that said "Don't be a dum dum. Vote for CJ." How original, right? So I ended up winning, uh, to my surprise, and all my buddies, you know, won also. And then we had like our first class meeting, and we're all chatting and everything. And <clears throat> and then I get up there, and all of a sudden the students start asking questions. So someone's like, "Hey, our class T-shirts, are they gonna be all you know cool and this?" And I'm like, "Sure, yes." And they're like, no, 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 but wait, why don't we do, and there was like a big argument over class t-shirts. I'm like, is this what the presidency is about? I was not prepared. They're like, hey, what about that lunch thing you said? I can't control that. Next. Oh, what about that homework? I can't control that either. Next. So all the stuff I promised I didn't accomplish any of it because it was all a lie just to become president, you know? So uh, our first presidential meeting, I was not prepared for kind of what Happened or the order of you know what the students had to tell me what I was responsible. I had no clue what I was doing. I just wasn't ready to take up that uh, that royalty, I guess you could say, of presidency. It was a fun year. You know, some people ended up hating me. Some people ended up liking me more. But hey, that's presidency, uh, right? So uh, that was the closest I got. But I wasn't really prepared to to go from being just a normal you know student to taking over the junior, the junior class, I guess you could say. And um, we're going to see today there's a transition going on between, uh, from someone from starting out as a shepherd, smelly, sweaty, got just anything that sheep have, you just have on you, you know, to eventually becoming, spoiler alert, king. And so uh, a little bit of recap Um, A little bit of before we begin is Saul ends up uh, just disobeying uh, Samuel, disobeying God. He's gotten kind of on a ruthless track right now. So he's just not listening to a whole lot of people, wants to do things his own way. Um, The Israelites were like, yeah, get us a king. And then afterwards, we're like, no, we don't want a king anymore. Because that's how kind of life goes. Not just back then, it still happens today where we ask God for something, he gives it to us, and then we're like, no, 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 we change our minds, you know? So. Uh, Saul was a mess he refuses to listen to anyone so then God tells Samuel listen it's time to go hunting for a new king it's time to go looking for someone else to anoint to eventually take Saul's place so that's where we end uh, the recap and then we start in 1st Samuel chapter 16 Uh, we're going to start in verse 6 today so follow along and uh, and then we're going to go over this 1st Samuel chapter 16 verse 6. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, here he is, God's anointed. So Samuel goes, he's going to anoint the next king. He goes over, God says, go to the house of Jesse. He's got a ton of brothers over there. And that's where you're going to find the next king. Samuel's like, okay, I can do that. And he even brings a heifer for good, you know, good measure. So always bring a heifer with you whenever you, whenever you go to anoint someone. That's first point. Don't write that down. I'm just kidding. Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, here he is, God's anointed. But God told Samuel, looks aren't everything. Don't be impressed with his looks and stature. I've already eliminated him. God judges persons differently than humans do. Men and women look at the face. God looks into the heart. Jesse then called up Abinadab and presented him to Samuel. Samuel said, this man isn't God's choice either. Next, Jesse. Jesse presented Shammah. Samuel said, no, not him. Jesse presented seven sons to Samuel. Samuel was blunt with Jesse. God hasn't chosen any of these. Then he asked Jesse, is this it? Are there no more sons? Then Jesse said, well, yes, there's the runt. But he's out tending sheep. Samuel ordered Jesse, go get him. We're not moving from this spot until he's here. Verse 12, Jesse sent for him. He was brought in, the very picture of health, bright-eyed, good-looking. God said, up on your feet, anoint him. This is the one. Samuel took his flask of oil and anointed him with his brother standing around, watching. The Spirit of God entered David like a rush of wind. God vitally empowered him for the rest of his life. Samuel left and went home to Ramah. So a couple of observations I'd like to point out here. Um, As we look at verse 7, see, Samuel had seen the previous king, so he's used to, it said, Saul stood above everyone else. So Samuel, you know, he's kind of like, okay, Saul is big and bad and tough and hairy and bearded and just rustic. So he says, okay, I need to find someone that looks just like Saul, just a head above everyone else, just big and bad. Let's go hunting. So he goes up Jesse okay pull out your son so so Eliab walks by and he's like oh this guy this guy's nice this is going to be the king <laughs> and he's getting okay Eliab and God's like no not him all right next and then you you kind of picture now I got a crazy imagination but I kind of picture almost like this um this competition or maybe they're just in like their board shorts or their board robes whatever they had back then and they're all walking by stand in line. So there's Eliab, and he's like, you know, flex in, and then it goes all down the line, each one smaller than the last. And then you're like, oh, uh, are you done with your sons? No, we got the runt. And uh, it was funny, because the other day, Pastor Otto, AJ, and I were, um, when you have a staff meeting without the senior pastor, you just watch Veggie Tales. So, <laughs> they think I'm kidding. So, uh, so we looked up just because Pastor Otto said, have you ever seen the VeggieTales version of this? And so it kind of showed like the sheep there. They're like, there he is. And the sheep's in the way. They're like, not the sheep, move over. So the sheep moves over and there's the little baby asparagus. You know, he's like, hi, it's me, David. You know, and that's, uh, that's kind of what we picture. So uh, it's funny though, because in verse seven, it says, God, God judges people differently than humans do. Man looks at the face God sees the heart. Uh, aren't you glad today that God sees your heart, that your destiny is not determined by man? I'm, I'm happy about that because a lot of times people see me from the outside. And they're, first off, exactly what Tyler said. I could relate to what Tyler said because he said, I don't know how you guys trusted me with your students. And I said, preach it, brother. You know, I got you. And, but I'm so glad that God looks into the heart and not the outward appearance. Uh, so we just moved into Stowe about a month ago, and um, there was a time where I had to run out to Giant Eagle to get some cold medicine. We were all just kind of stuffy and, you know, all that. And so it was cold outside. I didn't feel, you know, like getting all prepped up. So I threw on a hoodie, a beanie, and some super baggy sweatpants. And I just went out to Giant Eagle, you know, all stuffy, uh, you know, all that nasty stuff. And so I'm going looking for cold medicine for my wife and I, um, liquid for me because I don't swallow pills. But so I got liquid and then I got, you know, her stuff. And it's interesting because once in a while I like to kind of test the waters a little bit, I guess you could say. Um, I I like to do some experiments. And so I walked in and I'm like, you know what, I'm going to put my hood on, my beanie. I don't feel like talking to anyone. And I walk into the cold medicine section, and I'm just standing there. And if you didn't know who I was, you'd think, oh, this guy's probably going to steal some medicine or something and try to run out of the store. I had three employees walk by and ask me if everything was all right, if they could help me find something. (laughs) And this wasn't the first time. I've tested it before, where I've thrown on my hood, just looking. Like, if I see at the grocery store, I'm not getting dressed up for the grocery store. Just, hey, Pastor CJ. And that's about that's about it, you know. And so I, I I tested it, and I'm like, no, I'm all right, thank you. And I turn around, I'm looking at pills, kind of looking around, and then another worker comes by. Hey, uh, everything all right? You doing all right? Yes, thank you. <laughs> Just try to get some cold medicine. And so because of the way I was dressed, I appeared almost to to show that I could maybe run out of the store or put some, you know, Sudafed and dime tap and make all the weird stuff that you can make with all those combined, you know? And, and I've done that before in different stores where people have judged me just because it was cold outside and I threw my hood on, you know, on a beanie. But isn't that how it goes in, in today's era as people judge you from the outside, where people don't see your heart? But I'm here to tell you today, maybe you've been overlooked in the past. You know, maybe, maybe you grew up being overlooked, but I want to let you know today that God sees you. Maybe you've been judged based on what you've done. So maybe you're a student and you haven't made the best decisions, you walk into school, and now you are known for something. Guess what? God sees your heart. Maybe, maybe you're working super hard at your job, you're trying to get this promotion and everything, and you don't think anything's kind of adding up. I'm the hardest worker here. Why am I not getting promoted? Guess what? You're not overlooked. God sees your heart. And so if you're taking notes, that's the first note I want you to write down is that God sees the heart. I'm so glad that your destiny, that our destiny does not belong to man, that you may think that everything's out because man has said something about you or workers have said something about you or someone in your past, maybe your family members have said something hurtful to you or you've done things. But I'm so glad today that your destiny is not in other people's hands. Your destiny is in God. And God can provide you with that. You are not overlooked. And so David's getting anointed by Samuel. And uh, he's anointed as future king. But isn't it interesting that after he gets anointed, it's not just like, hey, uh, all right, David, take the throne. No, God knew that David wasn't ready yet. Sometimes when God calls us to something, we have to go through that process because we're not ready yet. I wasn't ready to be class president. I thought it was a joke. I don't know what to do as class president. I just wanted something to add to my college, you know, stuff. Hey, I was class president. What'd you do? I don't know, you know, but I definitely wasn't ready for that. And David was not ready, which is why we're going to go through this transition stage, through this chapter, through the story. And I highly encourage you, as you go through your small groups, your life groups this week, dive into that. There's a lot in each chapter and we can't, we can't preach Every single thing in every single chapter. But what a great way to dive in. Dive into the details. Dive into the meaning behind things. Dive into the scenarios and situations. Um, I encourage you to do that this week as you go through the story. So then uh, Saul ends up entering into what, I love what the message version says about it. It says he enters into the black mood. He enters into a black mood. And here's what I imagine the black mood being. You know what being hangry is? You're hungry and you're angry, that's hangry. And so imagine Saul getting spouts of anger. Like he's just sitting there and then, oh, I'm so mad right now. Kill that person. I don't care. Oh, I'm so mad right now. Get me some more food or get me something to cure this mood that I'm in. And finally, he says, go out and find somebody that can play some music for me. I need some tunes. I need some tunes to help me rest. So they go out looking and they find out that David can jam out with the harp. He can play some mad tunes on the harp, okay? Now, it's funny here that they had to go back, like I said before, and, uh, and go back to where he was tending sheep. See, it's interesting that, uh, that when he was anointed, you think, oh man, I'm anointed, guys. Probably looking at his brothers like, <laughs> I'm anointed and you're not. See ya but he walked right back and tended the sheep see sometimes we have to stay tending the sheep for a while sometimes we have to be in our current situation for a while god has placed you in your current situation for a reason but some of us we don't want to we don't want to wait you know that long you know for god like god you've called me i know you've called me other people have confirmed it or i'm supposed to be in this situation i'm supposed to move on up here I'm supposed to be able to do this. And God's saying, I understand I've called you, but go back and tend the sheep. Oh, I don't know, God, you've anointed me. When's this going to go back and tend to the sheep? And so they actually had to go back to the sheep to get David to play the harp. It's not time to get angry or frustrated. Just remember that God still sees you in your current situation. God still sees you in your current placement. You may be in the middle of a storm right now or the middle of a trial. God still sees you in that trial and in that situation. And that is a growing period for you. This was a growing period for David. He sends David back to the sheep and David's probably like, all right, God, I'm trusting you, but these sheep are pretty smelly. When am I going to do the cool things like become king, you know? And he's going through this process, and sometimes we have to remember to do that. We have to remember that maybe some of us are tending sheep for a reason. And so that's what they did. They went and got David, and he was able to play the harp and to help Saul calm down. So next time Saul got a little bit hangry, David, come on over here. Play some tunes for me. That's that's my harp sound, sorry. And Saul's like, okay. And then he'd get into the nighttime. And Saul's just, and then he's snoring, and there we go. That's David. I told you, I have a crazy imagination, okay? That's just how I see things. So now we transition, and uh, there's a battle going on. And the Philistines are challenging the Israelites. Now, this is probably one of the most well-known stories. People who haven't read the Bible a day in their life have mentioned before, David and Goliath's situations. But I want you to pay attention because there's some details in here. Don't just say, oh, I know David and Goliath. Here we go, nap time. We want to be able to dive into the story. I want to put you guys into the story. I want you to be able to see and hear, not smell. You don't have to smell. But see and hear the current situation that's going on. Maybe put yourself at that spot if you still have your bibles open look at first samuel chapter 17 first samuel chapter 17 if you don't it'll be up on the screen we're going to start at verse 8 it says goliath stood there and called out to the israelite troops why bother using your whole army am i not philistine enough for you and you're all committed to saul aren't you So pick your best fighter and pit him against me. If he gets the upper hand and kill him, you'll all become our slaves and serve us. I challenge the troops of Israel this day. Give me a man. Let us fight it out together. Let us fight it out together. So Goliath enters stage left into the field. He's about nine foot nine is kind of what they're saying. Nine foot nine. So picture a Yao Ming plus two feet. I mean, this is a big guy. He's got all the armor. He's got just the natural, you know, tendencies. You can put anyone in his place that you want from today's, you know, age. You can put uh, any sort of villain just there. That's Goliath. And so here's how things worked uh, back then. So every morning they would wake up, they'd go out, and there were two hills. The Israelites would be on the top of the one hill, and the Philistines would be on top of the other hill. And they would shout out to each other, like, we're going to get you, and then the Philistines would respond back, no, we're going to get you, and then Goliath would come, and it said for 40 days, Goliath would come out every single morning, and he would make fun of the Israelites, he would ask for a challenge, he would make fun of their God, our God, and the Israelites, it's interesting, when, when we read here, what's funny is that the Israelites, they're battle ready until Goliath comes out, so, so here's what I picture. The Israelites are over here and they're like, Arr, maybe some of them are growling a little bit or, you know, showing their whatever weapons they got or flexing or, ah, we're going to get you. And then the Philistines are over here like, no, we're going to take you down. And then the Israelites are all big and bad, like, oh, we can take them. We can take them. And then as soon as Goliath comes in, they're like, yeah, we're going to. There he is, guys. And Goliath's like, (laughs) do you have no one to face me? Who's going to take me down? The Philistines will be your slaves if someone can take me down. But if I can take you down, you all will become our slaves. Now it's interesting though that uh, that they do this. Uh, Pastor Matt has talked uh, a couple times about our city league that we used to have in the uh, the city of Cuyahoga Falls and. Um, we were I think we won one or two games our first year, and then we uh, figured out who we were facing and came back for revenge in year two. But it's interesting, because we'd, we'd get so pumped up before. I mean, I'd ride with my buddy Caleb. We'd turn on some loud music, getting pumped, like, yeah, we're going to beat this team. Let's go. Who we got? And sometimes we'd look over, they're warming up. We're like, uh, yeah, we can take them. And then sometimes... We'd face like the champion of the past seven years, like the guys that couldn't get in because of grades and the full ride scholarships or they played overseas or some crazy stuff like that. And I remember this one time this guy came and he was probably like, I don't know, 6'6 or something like that, 300, 350. It was pretty much Zion Williamson. And so he comes in and I remember that, that game, I was like, okay, I think we're in trouble guys, especially when I had to cover him. I mean, I kicked him, I hung on his back, I tried to put him in a chokehold a couple times, he'd still score on me. I fouled out, Pastor Matt had to come in for me because I ran off the court, I was so mad, I didn't want to say anything because I was a pastor, so I just ran right off the gym. <laughs> Talk about helping your witness, right? I was, I, I, I was on the court, I was like, Matt, you're in, and I just ran out, he's like, where are you going? To not embarrass my family or our church, I just ran out of the gym because i was so angry and isn't that like us a lot of times Is a lot of times we're, we're battle ready when it comes to oh yeah we're yelling at the philistines we got situations that we're dealing with and everything but then a giant comes by in our life and what do we do we totally forget everything we were taught we totally turn around and say yeah enemy you don't have a hold on us bad situation comes in oh now what do we do enemy you're not, you're not, you're not going to do that to my family. You're not going to do that to my family. I'm going to fight you. Oh, something happened to my family. I need to retreat. And we totally forget all that God has done for us already. See, it's interesting that they were both on the mountaintops, but the fight had to happen in the valley. And so a lot of times we're on these mountaintops and we may feel extra brave. We may feel extra like, God, you're here. We're in the clouds, sunshine, and daisies, and everything's great. We're so close to God right now, but then eventually we got to make it down into the valley to fight the giant. If all we did was have mountaintop experiences, we wouldn't know what it would be like to face the giants in the valley. See, life is not just mountaintop to mountaintop. Each and every one of our lives here, it's kind of a roller coaster, isn't it? I, I heard a preacher once said, "You're either right before going into a storm, you're in the middle of a storm, or you're coming out of a storm." And I believe that to be true because a lot of times life is not just dandy and blessed, where you don't just walk in through these doors and I ask, "Hey, how you doing today?" Oh, pastor, I am blessed, thank you, Jesus, but inside you're hurting. It's okay to not be okay. Can we agree with that this morning? That we have hurts and we have struggles and we have giants that we're trying to slay. Why pretend when we have God on our side? That's why we have life groups. That's why we have community. That's why we have people to gather around and say, hey, you're hurting. Guess what? I'm hurting too. You just slayed a giant. Guess what? I'm in the middle of slaying a giant. Guess what? I just came out of this battle. Hey, let me encourage you with some words here. That is what life groups and community is about. Don't forget, when we're on the mountaintops, we have to come down to the valley sometimes to fight the giants. And so I want you guys to remember that this morning, because the struggle of life, there's ups and there's downs. It can't all just be about the mountaintops. So we go through and see, we're in 1 Samuel chapter 17 still, and we're going to be in verse 26 now, we're going to be in verse 26, and we're going to see what David does with this. So David, who is talking to the men standing around him, asked, what's in it for the man who kills that Philistine and gets rid of this ugly blot on Israel's, in Israel's honor? Who does he think he is anyway? This uncircumcised Philistine taunting the armies of God alive. They told him what everyone was saying about what the king would do for the man who killed the Philistine. Eliab, his older brother, heard David fraternizing with the men and lost his temper. What are you doing here? Why aren't you minding your own business, tending that scrawny flock of sheep? I know what you're up to. You've come down here to see the sights, hoping for a ringside seat at a bloody battle. I can just imagine this, that... Eliab is kind of like Chris Hemsworth. He's kind of like Thor with the Avengers, right? Because he's like, he was the eldest. He's the one that Samuel said, Oh, this guy is supposed to be king. So Eliab comes out and he's watching because all the brothers were there. And here's what happened. So David was part of that, that battle happening, but for now, his dad just sent him to feed his brothers and make sure they were getting along. David! Yeah, dad, I'm ready. Now, David was anywhere from 12 to 15 is what some scholars are saying. Yeah, dad, I'm ready. He might have hit puberty. He might not have. Yeah, dad, I'm ready. What do you want me to do? Go and feed the brothers, make sure they're all getting along. So then Eliab, you can imagine, is like Thor. He's like, what are you doing here watching this battle? Are you expecting a ringside bloodbath? And David's like, what did I do? You're mean. And he walks over to somebody else, and he gets the same answer. He's like, what's going on over here? And finally, word gets around that David's like, I'll fight that guy. I can imagine some people laughing. I can imagine his brother, Eliab. (laughs) You little mortal, you. You think you can fight Goliath? And word gets around. Now, listen, this was a defining moment in David's life. He could have listened to what other people were saying. And he would have never had the opportunity to take down Goliath. Sometimes we can't listen to what people say or tell us. Because God has the last word. God's word is the last word. And so you can sit here listening to what everyone's saying. You're not going to accomplish anything. You're not going to do anything with your life. His older brother telling him, what are you here for? Give me my food and go back, tending the sheep. And David comes out and Saul says, listen. Put on this armor. You got to fight battles just like I do. And David's like, whoa, 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 whoa. There's something I got to tell you here. I don't fight battles like everyone else does. Because I got the Lord on my side. And I'm anointed. And what God has already told me is that I'm going to defeat this giant. So he doesn't put on normal armor to go and fight Goliath. They put it on him and he's clanking around like, oh, this is a little too heavy. Saul. And Saul's like, all right. But what David did come out to fight with is his shield of faith. He wore his shield of faith to go and fight Goliath. He knew that God had anointed him. So David picks up the stones. He comes out and he starts going down the mountaintop. And Goliath, they're charging. He's swinging around his slingshot. He launches it, knocks Goliath between the eyes. He falls down. And some of you might think the Bible's not very cool. But he picks up Goliath's own sword, and he lobs his head off. That's pretty sick, right? I love it. I love that God puts that in the Bible, right? It's not just, oh, David beat Goliath. No, we don't just stomp our situations, right? We lob them off at the head. I don't want you coming back anymore. You're not going to defeat me anymore. You may try and try. The enemy may try to bring up a giant in your life, and you say, What are you talking about? What are you bringing this back in my life for? I already lobbed the head off of that thing. It's not coming back. In the name of Jesus, this giant is not coming back. And if it does come back, guess what? I know how to fight it. I lobbed your head off once, I can do it again. And that's to provide some encouragement for people is that the giant is defeated. We know how the battle ends, right? David at the time, I don't think he knew how the battle was going to end. You're anywhere from 12 to 15 years old. You're running with a slingshot. Okay, God, this nine-foot dude is either going to eat me alive or I'm going to take him down. That's faith. That's faith. Now, as we close, I want to bring up one final thought. It's interesting because... Uh, Saul gets jealous. The cheerleaders come out. They're cheering for Saul. They're cheering for David. They say, yeah, yeah, rah, rah, rah. Saul kills the thousands, but David kills tens of thousands. Saul's like, wait a second. They're cheering for David more than they're cheering for me. And Saul gets jealous. And you can continue reading, like I said. We don't have time to go through the whole thing, but you can continue reading. And Saul tries to kill David multiple times. And David's probably thinking, whoa, I played your heart for you, dude. He's actually playing the harp one time and he's like, he was good at dodgeball. (laughs) If you could dodge a spear, you could dodge a ball, right? Uh, So he tries to kill him multiple times and David flees. And this is, this is one of my favorite parts of the story is it says that David fleed and he did what he's always done in time of need. He prayed. See, he had that. Already in his DNA. If a time of need is coming around, if there's something in my life going around, well, guess what? I already have prayer going through my system. So I'm going to do what I've always done. You make it a habit. You make it a ritual. It's part of who you are. Sometimes as Christians, and I'm preaching to myself too, is we wait till the situation happens and then we get battle ready. Isn't that the truth? My favorite part in in, uh, Willy Wonka, the old Willy Wonka in the chocolate factory, is when a goose is gloop right the dude loves some chocolate and so he's like oh man a chocolate river so he gets down all my accents are the same by the way for everything that I impersonate and so he gets down he starts handfuling just chocolate and then he starts drinking and all of a sudden he falls in and his mom comes over Augustus Willy Wonka do something he can't swim and I love this, Willy Wonka with the most serious face ever says, there's no better time to learn. <laughs> and we laugh at that, but the truth of the matter is, a lot of times that's what we do. When a, situa- when a giant is coming our way and-, and things are happening, Saul's trying to kill David here. And a lot of times we just pray when the problem happens. And as AJ makes his way up to stage, we're going to, Closed with a song, but I just want you guys to, to remember this. Be battle ready. Incorporate prayer into your everyday life. If you're praying on the mountaintop, you're praying in the valley. If you're praying when things are going great, you're praying when things are just awful. Because you already have that in your DNA. It's in your blood. So regardless of the circumstance, Circumstances aren't supposed to determine how we pray. We're already supposed to be praying. Give us this day our daily bread. God, I need more of you yesterday. I need more of you today. I need more of you tomorrow. Each and every day is a different day. But if you're not praying before the battle, you're not going to be battle ready. You're going to fall into the chocolate river already drowning because you don't know how to swim. But if you're learning to swim before, Augustus would have survived, right? If you're learning to pray before the giant, before the situation, before someone is out to kill you, before that happens, I love this. It says, David did as he had always done. And so I want to leave you guys with that today is put that in your DNA. Be battle ready. The trial's going to come. It's not if it comes, it's when it comes. The trial's going to come. But are you going to be battle ready? Are you going to say, hey, you know what? That's already in my DNA. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray the good times. I'm going to pray through the bad times. I'm really going to pray through the really bad times, you know? But don't, don't just wait till a situation comes to be able to just pray for it right when it's there. Pray beforehand. I love David also reminds, uh, as he's getting ready to fight Goliath, an interesting thought is David reminds Goliath of his past small victories. Hey, just so I let you know, I took down a lion, took down a bear, they're trying to mess with my sheep. And so I took their heads off and I put them on top of my head. You know, he's got like that lion. I just made that up. It's not really in the Bible, but you can see like the lion head or the bear head on top of his head. Like, hey, look what I took down today. What did you do? And David reminds Saul of his past victories. Remember what God has done for you in the past. You have trouble with finances, remember how he helped you pay your bill last time. You're having trouble with sickness, remember how many times he's healed you in the past. You're having trouble with relationships, remember how many times he's mended your relationships before. You're having a struggle forgiving, remember who forgave you first. Remember the small victories. And so, as we close, I want everyone to just bow your heads and close your eyes. David ends up having the opportunity to kill Saul, but he doesn't because he's still God's anointed. The opportunity was there, but sometimes you have to choose which opportunities you're going to take. And so, I want to leave you guys with this tonight. Today and uh, AJ is going to go through a song, but I just want to ask real quick: Maybe today you're feeling overlooked. Maybe you feel like the runt. You feel like David, where everyone's looking at you differently. Maybe you grew up that way, where people have said something to you, and you've dwelled on it your whole entire life. Maybe you just need to hear today that God sees you. God has not forgotten about you. Some of you need to hear that today. God has not forgotten about you. Some of you need to remember the past victories. You're going through a situation right now. Remember what God has done for you. Remember how faithful God has been to you in the past. He'll do it again. Be battle ready. It says in the Bible pray without ceasing. And so maybe some of you are here today and something in this message has said, you know what, I just need some prayer. Pastor CJ, just pray for me. Maybe that's you today. Would you just raise your hand real quick and put it back down and say, Pastor CJ, just pray for me. I need a reminder of past victories. I feel overlooked. I need to be battle ready. I have not been battle ready, but I need that. And I'm going to pray for you, and then A.J.'s going to close with a song. Lord, we thank you so much for the story in your word. David was overlooked. Nobody believed in him. People were making fun of him. They didn't believe that he was going to someday be a mighty warrior and a king. But God, you saw his heart, and we thank you for that. We thank you that you see our heart. I pray for each and every person in here that has raised their hands. God, that you would bless them today, that you would let them know that you see them and that you love them. God, for those in here who have not remembered their past victories, I pray that you would give them a gentle reminder today of what you've done for us in the past, how you have been faithful, that you'll do it over and over again because that's just who you are, that we would dwell on your promises. God, for those that aren't battle ready or maybe they've struggled in the past with prayer, I pray that you would remind them every single day that we can't do this life without you. That we need prayer. We need to talk to our Heavenly Father. That when situations come around, they're not going to put a damper on our prayer life because that's already in our DNA. That every single day we are praying, we are seeking you, we are seeking our daily bread. And that it would never get old. That we would never take prayer for granted. That we get to talk to the creator of the universe anytime we like. We thank you so much for that, and for the people that raised their hands, that you would bless them, that you would help them, that you would empower them, God, to do what you've called us to do, because you hold our destiny in your hands, and we're so thankful for that. That man cannot take that away from us. That man cannot determine what our destiny is, but that is what you've determined. Thank you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.